perfectly fine. Fine. Okay, fine. 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 You're listening to Everything is Fine in Southwest Washington, where we recognize that everything is not at all fine, discuss what we can do about it, and empower you to connect with your community. So welcome to the show, Zora Oppenheimer, who is the executive director of Clark Conservation District and member of the steering committee for the Heritage Farm Sustainability Plan, which is the topic of the episode today. Zora, so would you like to start uh, telling us just a little bit about yourself, uh, whatever you want to share, and about Clark Conservation District? Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Carissa. I, uh, I worked at Clark Conservation District for 10 years. Um, been the executive director for five or so. We are voluntary and non-regulatory um, subdivision of state government. We're a special district, kind of like a fire district or a school district. And our purpose is to conserve soil and water. And that's a very large umbrella, um, generally on private property, although we also work on public property. We do a lot with agriculture, um, forestry, uh, stormwater, things like that all throughout Clark County. We are not affiliated with Clark County government, but our boundaries are are very similar to the to the actual county. So we've got money to provide to people to do projects and all sorts of things. Cool, okay. Um, and then yeah, turning toward the the topic of today, can you explain to listeners what Heritage Farm is? Yeah, so the Heritage Farm, um, I believe officially it's called the 78th Street Heritage Farm. It used to be what was called a poor farm back in the 1800s, where they uh, grew food and housed people who were of low income. Um, it is almost 80 acres, um, and currently it's owned by Clark County and has a lot of of the property, I believe it's leased by WSU Extension um, to do their agricultural test plots. WSU Extension is also in the main office, but it's this very large chunk of agricultural land in the middle of Hazeldell. It's a great a great resource, um, really right in a very urban area. It's changed hands. It it was owned by WSU and was deeded, I think, to Clark County sometime in 2008, I believe. So it's currently owned and managed by um, Clark County, although a lot of people know it as where WSU Extension is. That's definitely the most public part uh, organization on the property. Did you you say, uh, doesn't the Clark County Food Bank also uh, grows food there? Yep, the food bank grows food there. There are uh, quite a few other organizations. Uh, I know that Master Gardeners is there. Um, there's greenhouses for um, starting the the pots at the Master Gardeners um, plant sale that they do every year. There's community garden there um, where people can rent, uh, I think, 20 by 20 foot plots. Those are the primary uh, uses that I am aware of, but I know that there's quite a few organizations on there. Oh, cool. So all kinds of cool projects going on there. Okay. So this sustainability plan, um, can you explain what the Heritage Farm Sustainability Plan is? 
then a little of the history um, of how this plan came to be. Yeah, the sustainability plan um, came out of a Clark County Council meeting. I think it was in 2021 or 2022. The county council directed county staff to develop, I believe it was called a business plan at that point, um, but what's turned into the sustainability plan to address financial sustainability at the farm and to address public access at the farm within the goals of the master plan, the Heritage Farm Master Plan. Part of this came out of a perception that the Heritage Farm costs $700,000 a year to fund, which isn't, it's not actually the case. That's sort of lumped into other costs that are going into the farm that I can, I can discuss. But out of the general fund, the Clark County General Fund, roughly $170,000 a year goes to managing and keeping up the heritage farm. So that was the goal of the sustainability committee is to address that $170,000 a year coming out of the general fund, increase public access all within the boundaries of the master plan goals. So that rather than drawing from the general fund, this would be creating its own financial, generating its own income to some degree to offset the the general fund yeah. costs it was, was the idea. Yeah. The goal was to somehow offset the cost to the, from the general fund. And we got to, to come up with a million different ways that we thought that could happen, which it's challenging. I mean, because any activity that you want to do out there is going to cost money to implement. But that was that was the goal to to somehow reduce that $170,000 a year coming from the general fund. As as far as where the plan's at right now, are you clear how much money um, the, sustainability, the sustainability plan is supposed to be generating? Like, is it uh, aimed to offset that entire um, amount or is, is there some kind of goal, I guess? And yeah, plan for that. That part was quite squishy. That's something that I tried to dig into uh, being on the committee. How much money are we talking about? Because in the grand scheme of things, in my opinion, for an organization the size of our county and a farm the size of Heritage Farm, especially considering how many other benefits they bring in, $170,000 a year is not really that much money. And part of the issue is that it the cost of the Heritage Farm really gets wrapped into other contracts that are that happen to be housed on the farm. So they get sort of lumped into these farm expenses. My, my understanding is that the chosen alternative should reduce the amount pulled from the general fund. I don't know that we were ever given a specific amount, but I would guess it's almost all of it, if not all of it. Would you like to uh, kind of recap what happened at the steering committee meeting on January 3rd? Like what, basically what were your takeaways um, and what do you expect to happen next? Yeah, um, so my takeaways from the meeting on January 3rd, I guess I'll start with sort of what what happened. We ended up discussing the plan. There had been quite a big chunk of time between when we last met and January 3rd. I think previously we had all met right at the end of March, 2023. And we hadn't met 
then until this January 3rd meeting. We did have a chance to review the draft. It was sent out, I think, towards the middle of December. And on the 3rd, we discussed, we recapped how we got to this place um, and then recapped what was listed in the plan. And we all were able to go around and, and express any concerns that we had, any you know sort of positives, negatives, and have a discussion about those. Um, and it was a public meeting, although the public was not invited to participate. I do understand there were some technical issues and maybe it wasn't quite as understandable as it could have been. And as far as next steps, I think the plan is supposed to come out January 17th in advance of the 20, the open house on the 24th. And at that point, the public can make public comment. They can read the plan. I'm not in charge, so I don't know how many changes would actually be made based on public comment. My understanding of the open house is that it's likely more, this is what we've developed. I unfortunately am not going to be able to be there, but I do encourage people to read the plan and make public comment on it. I think that's always valuable. It gets logged and that can only help things in the future. And so, yeah, from what I understand, there are these different alternatives and then there they've so far, there's basically like a preferred alternative. So, so yeah, what, what were those options? And then what is the, the one that's being presented as the, as the best? Yeah. So um, the steering committee back in, in March of 23 uh, did an exercise called build the farm. And that is outlined uh, in the plan. So people can, can see those results. And it was designed to do to develop alternatives. So um, there were uh, activity alternatives. They called them um, site elements. So these are programmatic elements and then cost recovery options. And these elements were based on previous brainstorming among the committee members. Um, but the idea was to choose site elements that we would be okay with on the farm or with support on the farm and to choose cost recovery options, things that would generate profit in some way um, or at least pay for something. And all of the programmatic elements had expenses associated with it. So maybe it was a, a low cost option that generated a lot of revenue or maybe it was a high cost option that generated very little revenue. They addressed how much of a community benefit it would offer if it would uh, address public access and if it would address public access. Those were kind of the, the big umbrellas that we were trying to target with, with what we were doing. And we got into groups and basically highlighted things we were okay with, added notes, you know, circled things. And based on those proposals, the county developed three alternatives. So alternative one is enhanced farm. So it's essentially what they were calling same, same. Everything stays the same. We aren't pulling, we aren't changing how we're pulling money from uh, the general fund. It doesn't improve public access that much. Maybe there's a few small changes, 
but essentially it's the same. Alternative two was NGO or non-governmental organization managed. So there would be some organization not yet determined that would essentially take over management of the farm, thus removing the county needing to pull money from the general fund. And then alternative three, um, which was the chosen alternative in the plan, is it's called AgriPark. I think that um, that's that name makes it sound a little bit like a theme park, which it's not. <laughs> so it it's basically that alternative three. It's an amalgamation of the six um, proposals that were put together by the different groups on the sustainability committee. And it has, it has some of the elements of all of them, I think. My point in reviewing this plan was, at least in the draft that we saw, it wasn't really clearly outlined what an agri-park was. It referenced what we had all put together, but it didn't specifically say, these are the things that we're planning. Um, I believe that should be addressed more in the plan that goes out to public. But the biggest aspect of this alternative that affects the pull from the general fund is changing how the land is designated. And I'm using the wrong word right now. Um, it's basically currently Heritage Farm is under the parks department, but it is not a park. It's not, it's not a park. So it cannot pull from the park fund, the Metropolitan District Park Fund, which is funded by tax dollars and allows things like emptying trash cans and you know mowing the lawns and all of that to be paid for through the parks budget. So it all has to come through the general fund. So the biggest thing in this sustainability plan that impacts financial sustainability is simply changing it to a community park. That opens up this, this budget that allows the heritage farm to continue operating with a few tweaks, most of which my understanding is we're already in the works, like a public access trail through the farm, which was already in the works in the master plan but it means that they can send a crew of people out to do landscaping um, and pull funds from this metropolitan district budget. I mean, that sounds like a really good step, right? For it to be under this, this parks de designation so that those things can happen. But so is there, as you see it, are there are there downsides to um, like a public access trail, um, like that aspect of it? The the challenge with designating it as a park is that that takes away, at least in perception, takes away the fact that it's not a park; it's a farm. <laughs> and I think that the county is going to have to be very intentional about their messaging around this. Because one of the, the points that was brought up regularly in public comment was, this is not a park. Or is this a park or is it a farm? Because it can't be both. Part of the reason that 
people feel like it can't be both is because a lot of on-farm activities could potentially be in jeopardy if there's public walking through fields or dogs going around, you know, digging in people's gardens or test plots, agricultural test plots that people are messing with. There are security concerns at the farm and opening it up to the public more has risks involved. I also see the benefit in intentional public spaces, not opening up the whole park so that everybody can tromp where they want, but intentional public spaces so that people can see the beauty of it. Because being up on the very top of Heritage Farm, you can see miles and miles and miles. It is incredibly beautiful. And that's not a view that you get anywhere else in Clark County, especially not in an urban area like where it is. It's It feels so special being up there and seeing Mount St. Helens and down across the whole valley. It's gorgeous. And I think that people will have a better appreciation if they can actually go up there and see it of those open spaces, hopefully. Do you think that, I mean, you said that people have been voicing those security concerns. So um, does it appear that there's a like a plan in place to kind of address that to where this, this could be a kind of have best of both worlds? I'm not sure if there is I know that there is a plan to address public access, and I would assume that there's a security component. One of the things that they're working towards is opening the Heritage Farm up to Hazeldell Park, which is in the same um, block, essentially. There's just a fence um, and allowing a trail all the way through there. I I don't know specifically how they're going to address security. I think there are going to be fences around the the trails, although I I don't think they're going to be the kinds of fences that would deter somebody who really wants to go mess with things. But I don't I don't know, and I don't specifically know how they're going to address security out there. That would be a county county parks thing. The part of the January 3rd meeting that uh, I did listen to, I'm not sure who it was, but they they were kind of laying out the things that are not on the table. Because I think that's, you know, historically been the concern that, you know, some of the options for financial sustainability would be, oh, well, let's just develop some of the acreage and then we'll generate some income for the rest of it or whatever. Um, and I believe what I heard was that is not on the table and there were a couple things that were not on the table that would make some people happy to hear. Um, can you expound on that at all? Yeah, back, um, I don't exactly know when, but I've probably somewhere between eight, five to eight years ago, um, a county counselor suggested selling the farm and or developing it and a lot of people were very concerned about that. So there were a lot of concerns about um, what was going to happen with the farm because it it is very challenging to make a farm like this uh, profitable without 
any kind of subsidy. So the plan will not recommend selling the property, which that is true. Yep. It will not uh, remove agricultural practices at the site, and it will not eliminate uh, WSU extension services at the site. Keeping WSU extension at the heritage farm was definitely very important to the sustainability committee, as were all of these. Um, one of the things that I really pushed heavily was looking into getting a conservation easement um, on the property because a conservation easement held by another organization would prevent future sale or future um, development. And there is a, a hesitancy to improve in infrastructure at the farm, especially if you don't know if the new election is going to bring in a whole different crew of, of county council and suddenly it's going to become apartments. That's a pretty extreme scenario. Um, there are a lot of steps that would need to happen to get there, but it's also not out of the realm of possibility. I know that Clark County is looking at getting a conservation easement that that's basically, it can be many different things, but it would essentially be selling the ability to develop the property um, or removing the ability to develop the property, which uh, currently, if the county wanted to do, you know, they would need to do public meetings and all of that, but they could. The plan is definitely keeping agricultural practices um, at the site and is certainly not recommending selling the property. Even with alternative two, where an NGO takes over, I don't, but it wasn't that the NGO would get the property. They would just get um, management. They would have management of the property, but it would still be owned by the county. So what you're saying, what it sounds like is this con conservation easement uh, idea would be something that it's kind of happening happening separately from the sustainability plan. So the sustainability plan is, you know, going to go forward, however it's going to go forward. Um, but aside from that, people could push for the council putting a con or, you know, going through the process, whatever it is to put a conservation easement on it so that it's like protected forever. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, you know, not this, constant fear of of losing this precious asset is does exactly that okay that's, that's exactly right yeah. yep the kind of the larger question of um you know a lot of people i hear from and me myself um i'm very concerned about climate change obviously the climate crisis um and to see how rapidly we're losing farmland when we, you know, I feel and it seems pretty darn clear that growing our own local food, um, expanding farmland would be the, the sane thing to do right now rather than losing it. And so, yeah, I guess the broader question is like, how do we show people, like especially our decision makers, the value of farmland, like especially in the wake of the climate emergency that we're in. <laughs> Big question. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Clark County was and continues to be highly agricultural. We have 
the third highest number of farms in the state here in Clark County. We have the highest farm density in the state. We also have the second highest population density in the state. So second only to King County, where Seattle is, we have the most people per square mile. We have many needs in our county. We need houses for people. We need affordable housing. We need places for people to live. And farmland is generally flat. It's not super wet. It's got great soils. It grows great food. And in Clark County, it grows houses. Fixing that is going to take a lot of things well above my pay grade, but trying to keep farming financially sustainable, or I should say make farming financially sustainable in Clark County would be a big step. Clark CD does a lot of work to help farmers and um, pay for uh, installing practices that help farmers keep farming. But the land prices are so expensive. We don't have farm prices in other areas of the state. You can buy farmland for cheaper. That doesn't exist here. My impression over the last decade of working in this field here in Clark County is that if you have enough money, you can you can make whatever you want happen. You can make if you have enough money, you can make whatever you want to to have happen as far as building. I think that needs to stop. I think that we need to place a higher value on farmland. Anybody who drives in rural Clark County nowadays, if you don't drive there for a few months and then you, you know, drive down a road, you will see a new housing development most anywhere in the county. And it's it's nauseating, not because I don't want uh, people to have homes. I absolutely do. It's just everybody wants their home in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> yeah. it's not sustainable. We also have to recognize that the impact of a 50-acre farm on our natural resources and our water availability and um, runoff is nothing compared to the same area of land with houses packed in there. When it's all concrete, all that water goes places. And every winter, our district gets calls of people saying, that the property that you know they've lived on for the last 15 30 years is suddenly flooding and oftentimes it's because there's been new housing developments upstream um or you know the 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 water has to go somewhere and what we focus on at the district is soil quality and water quality and when you add in that many acres of impermeable surface, it, the water goes somewhere. So having this farmland is so important beyond just the fact that it looks pretty or beyond even the fact that it grows food, which are like really valuable things and things that we need to protect. But it's also how does it affect everybody else downstream that's getting flooded? It seems like there might be a way to sp in to plan for growth in a smart way 
such as, you know, what is laid out in our growth, the state growth management act (laughs) and the comprehensive plan update is going on right now. That's a once in a decade thing. So I guess that's something I would posit to listeners is that, you know, advocating for smart growth, for reducing sprawl, for saving our farmland, um, you know, building density, like there's a lot of, there are a lot of better ways I think we could, you know, have that population growth happen. Like, like you were saying, like, no one's saying like, Hey, get all these people out of here. You know, obviously people need homes and they need affordable housing too, but it's seems that there's got to be a better way to do it. And it can't just be like, Oh, well, what's convenient for developers. We have to, we have to save that farmland. We need to, we need to understand the, the true value of it. It's, it's undervalued. And I I think that the heritage farm has become sort of a beacon for that feeling because it does feel in flux, at least in perception. And it does feel like, okay, we're spending all of this time trying to reduce the, the cost, the draw on county general funds for what's realistically a very small amount of money in the grand scheme of things, $170,000 a year isn't that much. I think that the farm needs more. I think the farm needs a farm manager who's able to get grants and really facilitate things at the farm and improve um, how it's how it's run because it is a, a little bit of an afterthought. But I think people really sort of latch on to the heritage farm as this, this like, I don't know, emblem of the fact that agricultural land in our county isn't valued. And yet that's why people want to be here. They want to be here because they drive, you know, just outside of the city and you see these beautiful pasture lands and farmlands. That's why people move here. Um, But it's disappearing. Yeah. Yeah. What is your personal vision for the future of Heritage Farm? I personally struggled with the view of it as a park, as that part changing. I touched on this before, but I think it's going to be really important for the county to explain uh, what specifically this change is going to mean for how the park, I'm sorry, for how the farm, see, even I'm doing it. (laughs) It's going to be really important for the county to explain very clearly how this change from how it's currently classified into the Metropolitan Parks District, how that's going to impact what is on the actual landscape and how that's going to impact access and how they're going to ensure safety and security for people who come to the farm because it's a park and for people who work on the land or work the land to grow food. I also think it's really important to very clearly show the benefit that the farm brings in outside of monetary benefit, the hundreds of thousands of pounds of food that are grown there that go into our community. Those have value. I feel like an influx of money into the heritage farm that's focused on agriculture 
would be extremely valuable for the heritage farm. Having it become sustainable in that there are, there are, there's an incubator farm, for example, where newer farmers can rent space and pay a reduced rate because farmland in Clark County is extremely expensive and they can learn the craft and be sort of um, mentored as they go through that. I think that would be a great option at the heritage farm, increasing food production, increasing community garden space. Um, These are all options that we all came up with. I want to have the heritage, I want to see the heritage farm foster the agricultural heritage of the farm and have that be the primary focus. Having a trail, I think, is is good. It gets people out there and seeing how beautiful it is. And it's not often that people can go to a farm and walk and just sort of observe and see. I see the Heritage Farm staying as a place where there's it's primary, primarily agricultural, hopefully an influx of funding, and ideally a conservation easement will make adding adding more things in the space more possible and allow organizations to invest in infrastructure and and just tractors and things. I mean, they need new farm equipment out there really badly. When trails open, I encourage people to go out, go to the top of the property on a clear day, prepare to be amazed. It's beautiful. Um, And I really hope that the Heritage Farm stays a place that celebrates agriculture and just becomes a little bit more publicly accessible. Awesome. And so the Heritage Farm uh, Sustainability Plan Steering Committee Open House is on January 24th. Open house, open to the public. So everybody should should save the date and, and plan on attending. I'll definitely have links to that in the show notes. I'll have links to Clark Conservation District in the show notes. And thank you very much, Zora Oppenheimer, for illuminating this whole process for us and uh, for taking some valuable time out of your day to talk to me. (laughs) Yeah, thank you for having me. It was absolutely my pleasure. 